You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about the French film Irma Vep from 1996. Uh, to help me talk about it, is someone I'm very excited to finally talk to. Uh, he's one of the hosts of the Action Drunkies podcast, as well as a regular on the House That Screams podcast. And if he was not busy enough, he is starting the brand new podcast on the films of Jason Statham, Wrath of Stath. Uh, and he's been a guest on many, many other fantastic podcasts. It is the Cinema Drunkie himself. It's Rob Antiquera. Rob, how you doing? Fine, fine. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of the show. I'm so excited to actually have you here and finally get to talk to you because we we talked to all the same people, uh, but we have not actually had a chance to talk and do an episode yet. So this is very exciting for me. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> been circling for a while but uh um yes i but big fan of yours i love hearing you on shows um you're a very busy man as you just said in the intro you have so much going on so um mm -hmm. i'm glad you can make time to do this and and you brought me this very interesting movie which we're gonna talk about because i had barely even heard of it and you pitched it to me and i watched it and said well this is definitely different we can definitely talk about this so uh i'm i'm fascinated to get in this conversation but uh but first because it is your first time here um, I usually ask people because you I think you're kind of known for action and horror movies and things mm -hmm. like on Twitter. Um, but I think it's fair to say you have, you like a wide variety of movies. Is is that fair to say? <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. The, um, the action and horror seem to be my two primary genres that to discuss. But I'm pretty much uh, a lover of all cinema, the, the, which is which is why my name is the cinema drunkie is instead of like, you know, the action drunkie or the horror drunkie, you know. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. And I heard you on a. Uh, Daniel Epler's Cobblers podcast talking some Hitchcock and and uh, yeah you seemed very comfortable talking about that stuff. I was like yeah Rob is a man of many many tastes. So oh yeah um, oh yeah yeah. Um, do you have other genres in particular that you would say you're a big fan of or just kind of all movies across the board? <laughs> yeah, just pretty much all movies. Uh, I, I I like uh, a, a wide range of everything. You know um, I, I you know because because I I usually talk about action and horror people are surprised by like. Which is really why I like, you know, when I go on other shows, I don't like to talk about like action and horror because I do it enough uh, on my show and on the House of Screams uh, to talk in action and horror. So whenever I get to like do like this show or Daniel's show, like I want to really talk about something different. Um, yeah, I like everything. Um, uh, some of my favorite movies are like uh, I like stuff like A League of Their Own, which surprises people. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm a, I'm a huge huge fan of stuff like uh, like Steel Magnolias. I love Steel Magnolias. Like that's one of the that's one of the most shocking ones. People, you like that? I, was like, <laughs> I, I love that movie. You know. So yeah, I I, I love everything. I, ever since I was a kid, um, I've just loved movies. Just in particular, like nothing really. I guess you could say action is my favorite genre out of all of them. But uh, I pretty much just love everything. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah, the Steve Magnolias thing is that was a shocker. I didn't know. It was, I can't imagine you watching that. I've heard you talk to any podcast, and now imagine you like just watching that movie and crying, and it's. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, a tearjerker. My, my mom loves that movie and has forced me to watch it, and then I end up getting sucked into it, and and by the end, I'm you know I'm crying, and I'm like, damn it. Steve Magnolia's yeah. got me again. Uh, so yeah, it's a damn good movie. It's a damn it, good movie. No, it is a good movie. Um, that uh, and it, it's funny you mentioned like you wanted to bring something different like to this show or going damn bring something different because I, I I'm happy you did because I feel like this show is like the outlet for everybody else I know that has like a very specific podcast. Like Mike talks action all the time. You talk action horror all the time. Daniel talks old movies. So I feel like my podcast is where you can come and bring like something that's out of your. Uh, I guess your brand for like, lack of a better term, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, no, no, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't care if I told you or you just did it, but I was like, I was going to tell you like, you can definitely pick something outside the action horror realm if you want, because I figured you would want to talk about some different stuff. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but before we get into Irma Vap, um, I do want to ask, uh, I know I'd asked you about anything you'd seen recently. Um, so if there's any kind of new stuff you you'd seen, you want to talk about, if you want to bring that up, Sure. Um, as far as like new recent releases, I only seen really one thing, and that's uh, Willie's Wonderland with uh, Nicolas Cage, the which I very very much enjoyed. That that uh, oh I forgot to ask you before we start recording. Is it uh, is it okay? Do do you curse on your show? Is there any profanity on your show? Oh yeah, no. Go. You can go all out if you want. <laughs> oh sure, you oh, want. sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I meant to ask that because 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 uh, I I say fucking shit a lot. So. Um, <laughs> So, uh, uh, like, I just wanted to, you know, get that clear, you know. The, but, uh, yeah, uh, Willie's Wonder, Willy's Wonderland is 100% completely my shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that movie. Uh, I gave it uh, five stars on Letterboxd, you know, which, which is par for the course for me because I, I, I'm really just a sucker for good movies. So, like, as I, uh, I get laughed at a lot by uh, my friend uh, Larry Sternshein because he's like, he gave another movie five stars. I loved it, so what the hell. But, yeah, um I really loved uh, Willy's Wonderland. I thought it was great, uh, entertaining. Of course, you got uh, the man himself, Nicholas Cage, in there, uh, just being just impeccably cool. And it, it was just a fantastic movie, and I loved it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, me and I think me and Carmen Lita both brought it up way back on her first episode. We talked about another Nicholas Cage movie, Mandy, and we talked about seeing Willy's Wonderland, and we both really liked it. Um, it's funny because I think I gave it like three or three and a half stars in Letterbox, and that, but the funny thing is I. I think I liked it more than that because I thought about it a lot since I saw it because uh, Nicolas Cage is doing like a very weird specific thing in that movie that I don't think is a thing people expected from him in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I appreciated what he was doing. It's like a, I think it's a silent, completely silent performance. Um, and I think everyone him to like yell and scream and, you know, go crazy. And uh, he's doing something a little different. So I, I did like that movie a lot. I think I liked I need to rewatch it. I think I'd like it even more on a, uh, a second watch. So, yeah. Most definitely, most definitely. It's funny too. You should mention uh, that you mentioned Mandy because uh, uh, earlier in June we did uh, for the House of Screens we recorded an episode for Mandy, but unfortunately, um, uh, the the, the co-host of that show, uh, Sean Smith, uh, aka Sean of the Dead, uh, he's the one who edits the episodes, and he edits them. Uh, he edits them on his laptop, and his laptop crapped out on him. He had to re you know update and reboot the whole thing. And so he lost his progress. And unfortunately, because Skype only holds episodes, uh, recordings for 30 days, he wasn't able to re-download the episode. So now that episode is lost forever. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's like, 
one of my worst fears about like if I if I were to bank a bunch of episodes, usually I get turned around pretty quickly. But like if I were to bank a bunch and my computer died and I would lose episodes, I couldn't get back. So my fear is like losing whole episodes. And uh, that sucks. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Was that the only one you lost or was anything else uh, lost in that? Oh, yeah. Uh, we also recorded an episode of Halloween, which is also lost. Oh, man. That's yeah. It. And then it's like you never want to go back and just redo it because I feel like it probably wouldn't be the same. You know what I mean? You're trying to say the same stuff you said, but it's not, you know, it's not the same. So, I, I yeah, that's a bummer. So, <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, it really was. Man. Well, I'm glad you like Willy's Wonderland because, yeah, that movie is uh, it's pretty crazy. I think my one of my friends just watched it and came to me was talking about it and uh, he was like, yeah, the movie was nuts. So I was like, yeah, it was like it was a lot of fun. I know some people were disappointed in it, but I, I I think the problem with Nick Cage movies sometimes is people really go in expecting to get one thing. If they don't get that one specific thing, they kind of don't like the whole movie, if that makes sense. And uh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, that totally, because it, you see that happening now with uh, with a uh, pig, because people who thought they were, you know, with with Cage, they're expecting this kind of manic performance from him. And, you know, like he's become like almost like a human meme. And when he delivers, like, you know, a, a great performance, they're surprised. It's like, oh, Nicolas Cage act. And Nicolas Cage could always act. You know, he just, you know, tries out different things, you know, for for whatever the role calls from him. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of annoys me because, you know, people are always so shocked that, oh, you know, I didn't know Nicolas Cage was a good actor. He, like, he's always been a good actor. Yeah, just <laughs> slow. <laughs> I agree to 100%. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about him. I'm really getting tired of, like, the ironic Nick Cage people who just want to go like laugh at him and all this stuff and it's like you know he's always been a great actor everybody get on board so um you actually set me up perfectly there um because i don't think it, you said you did anything else you really want to talk about so if i can i'm going to segue into another nick cage movie uh that i just literally saw today as we're recording this uh that movie pig that you just brought up mm -hmm. um and uh it's wonderful it I, I think right now i would say it's my favorite movie of the year so far Nice, it's, nice, it's, nice. It's amazing. It's he's so good at it. He's like, it's one of the best performances I can think of from him in so long. Um, and again, he's doing like a, he's not silent this time, like Louis Wonderland, but he's doing a very like quiet, solemn performance. And uh, the movie just it it hits, and it's not anything like I think anybody expected. Because I think people saw the trailer and were like, oh my god, we're gonna get Nick Cage doing John Wick, but with a pig, you know, or something. <laughs> and yeah. um, it's not that movie. It is not that movie at all. It's um, so if anyone doesn't know yet, uh, Nick Cage is living kind of in the woods like a hermit. And he has this like pig that's like his best friend who's a truffle pig. And they're hunting for truffles out there in the, the woods. He lives in a shack by himself. He's like truly a hermit. And he sells the truffles to uh, this guy played by Alex Wolf, uh, who kind of comes out from the city because he's in Oregon. He comes out from Portland and buys these truffles and sells them all these restaurants for a bunch of money. Um and that's kind of just Nick Cage's life is him and that pig and just by himself. And uh, the pig gets taken and then Nick Cage wants to get his pig back. And I won't really say more than that because <laughs> it's it goes in a lot of unexpected ways. And it did not um, it did not go the way I thought it was going to go. But I really appreciate where it ended up. And um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a really, really uh, wonderful movie. Like I said, probably my favorite movie of the year so far. It's so good. Um I, I it's hard to talk about because if I say any more than like the premise, I don't want to start kind of telling people to twist in the turns of where it goes. But um, it's a very like quiet, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, like meditation on like life and people losing things and things like that. And uh, yeah, it, it was really good. I don't know what to say about it. It's a really, really good movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I actually haven't seen it yet, but I, I definitely want to check it out. Um, it was it was actually on my list of things to watch. Uh, I I had that I wanted to watch and um old uh M Night Shyamalan's new movie and um I actually had uh Snake Eyes Snake Eyes on there, but um after all the discourse I've been hearing about that, that I'm in no rush to to watch that at the moment. <laughs> so that 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 could that could wait or maybe I'll just wait till it comes to Paramount Plus. But uh I'm definitely the definitely a pig and old is uh, uh on my list so far to to go out and see. Okay, yeah. And again, Rob, you set me up perfectly to segue into my next thing was I saw old this weekend <laughs> um mm-hmm. as well. Because I posted on Twitter uh, this is when this when this comes out, it'll probably be about two weeks from when this happened. But I was like, I'm going to go see old and snake eyes and pig this weekend. And uh, snake eyes also got cut from my list because I didn't have time. And like you said, I heard like pretty kind of negative things mostly. And um, I, I, I think I'm good to wait on that one. So <laughs> it's like I'll save my money. Um, and is it going to Paramount Plus like after like 45 days like Quiet Place 2 did? Do you know? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. Even more reason for me not to go see the theater. So, um, yeah, I'm good. I'll I'll wait on Snake Eyes. I mean, I want to see it still, but um, yeah, kind of cooled off on it. But I did go see Old, um, yesterday, and uh, uh, man, Old is really fucking weird. I don't know what this like. <laughs> old is uh, it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. That's a hundred percent. Like if if no one had told me who made it, I'd be like, this has to be an M Night Shyamalan movie, right? Like the way that that he something about the way that he must direct actors i swear like and he the performances a lot not everybody but are pitched at a level where it's like are these people bad actors are they be giving bad direction like um bad dialogue like um which i know it's weird i feel like m night shaman's got some great performances out of like Haley joe osman he's got some great bruce willis performances but like sometimes he gets these horrible performances out of people and um and some of the dialogue that he he wrote it too is bad. I was in the theater like, what? Like I was like <laughs> these lines. I, I wish I could think on top of my head, but um, I was like, this is. But the thing is, I'm saying these negative things are top, but the movie is very interesting. Like the premise is good, and the way that things move along really keeps you invested in like what kind of crazy shit's gonna happen next. Um, <laughs> and so I I kind of liked it, but it's. Like, I can see all these big glaring flaws in the movie. Um, and again, it doesn't go anywhere I thought it was going to go by the end. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the ending. I don't want to say too much, obviously, because I don't want to spoil it. But um, it was uh, it was really weird. Uh, my theater was was packed. And I don't think people knew how to react to a lot of things that happened in the movie because there's some weird shit that goes on. <laughs> and there was a lot of, like, weird, nervous laughter at things I don't think were supposed to be funny. <laughs> um like, I don't think this is, like, uh, The Happening or anything. I thought The Happening was, like, a disaster. Sorry, everyone likes The Happening. But, it's like, this is not on that level of, like, oh, this is a mess. But it's it's just real weird. And I don't know. And it's, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, oh, I, my favorite part, I think, uh, might might have been that, for some reason, Enmite Shyamalan has a character show up who's a rapper whose rap name is Midsize Sedan. Which may have been the funniest thing I've ever heard in a movie this year. I was like, mid-sized sedan. I was like, have you ever listened to rap? I'm not, like, um, very I just weird shit like that. It's such a like a weird he's so like, but he's so genuine in things that he does. It's hard for me to like, get mad at him and like hate him. He just is like the movie is so him. I'll say that. It's so M night, and whether you like that or don't like that is personal taste, I think. But I it kept me entertained. I will say that, even though a lot of times I was like kind of looking around going what what is happening right now 
I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what I'll say about old. It was it was strange. Uh, I've read a lot of things online. People are kind of all over the place on it. So um, probably actually worth seeing with a crowd in a theater. Honestly, it's um, it's an experience. I'll say that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I guess uh, that was the only two things I had. And um, I guess we can we can jump into uh, Irma Vet here. So, um, Rob, I want to ask you because you you brought this to me. Um, how did you find this movie? How did it strike you the first time? I kind of want to hear about your initial experience watching this movie. Um, so, uh, this one has been on my radar for a while before I actually watched it. And, um, because I, I'm very much interested in the, in the premise being that, uh, so when I was uh, younger, um, like I, like I explained, I was all into cinema and, and, and films and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I used to make actual shorts uh, when I was younger. Like me and uh, my co-host Mac Dostart, um we've been best friends for over thirty years uh, since we were both six. And uh, when we were on TV, like I wanted to be a filmmaker, and uh, I got a camera uh, about when I was thirteen. And me and him would make short movies like around the, our, our neighborhood where we lived in in Brooklyn, New York. And like so, I was always into you know filmmaking and all that stuff and i you know that that also conveyed my taste in movies because as much as i love films i also love films about filmmaking um the the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker was ed wood because i uh before that i had wanted to be a screenwriter because i thought screenwriting was the thing to be like in in filmmaking world but then i saw ed wood and i was like nah that's what i want to do you know i i want to do that i want to i want to make the movie so like I, i've always been interested in 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 films about filmmaking so this is why this one interested me so much because you know it's a film about filmmaking but then w- when i finally saw it it was it it really it immediately overtook uh the ed wood as my favorite film about filmmaking um because it's more than just a movie about making movies it's about movies itself like it's it's all about cinema and like you know artistic vision versus uh commercial vision and all that stuff and it's uh and also I'm I'm very much lo- you know a lover of abstract and artistic and like surreal things and all that stuff which is you know abundant in uh uh, uh Irma Vep you know so I was really captivated by it like just almost immediately like I I I was in love with it before like it it, it was even over you know it was just mm-hmm such a glorious experience to, for me to, to to watch a movie like this you know because i i really just i love all as you know all aspects of just movies and it it really just plays with that like you know just that whole the art of making movies and just talking movies itself and i i really just loved it so much so like that's why i was so enamored with it so like um, I had rewatched it because uh, it not too recently came out on the Criterion Collection, and of course, uh, we're uh, at this time of this recording. We're in July, where uh, of course Barnes and Nobles has their Criterion sale, and uh, I was able to purchase the the Criterion Blu-ray of it. And uh, so, when you had asked me, uh, "Hey, you know." want to come on the show you want to talk a movie like it was on my mind you know so i was like yeah let's do irma vep you know uh 
And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, great setup. That was good. Yeah, I know. I love that story, too. I didn't know you guys had you and Mac had known each other that long uh, and were making movies together. That's super cool. I, I love that. Um, that I, I was very young, like a young kid too, getting into movies and uh, trying to make my own movies, too. So I relate to that. So that that's very cool. Um, nice. and yeah, this movie. Uh, so, yeah, you you kind of gave it to me. And I, I had just. I think I just heard the name kind of like a few months before. I'd never heard of the movie before. And so I think because it was going to be on Criteria and it kind of came up and I was like, what is that movie? Um, and I feel like I should set it up because I didn't set it up for people. And this is probably like the most obscure movie we've covered on this show. So if people <laughs> don't know about Irma Vep, um, basically there's a French filmmaker um, in the movie named Rene Vidal, who uh, is, is like this renowned director, but he's kind of on the downslide and he's going to remake this French movie from 1915, a silent film called uh, Les Vampires, which apparently is a real thing. It's like seven hours long, but I think it was broken into seven like hour long parts or something. Yes. Um, yes. So he is remaking it. And uh, with Maggie Chung, famous Hong Kong actress, uh, he wants her to be the lead because he's kind of he tells her he's like a big fan. Um, and she <laughs> comes into this kind of production. And from there, I feel like it's she comes in, it's just kind of chaotic, which I think is most movie sets, honestly. <laughs> so um, and I love that the movie like throws you right into the chaos with her. Like she comes into this very busy film office and doesn't really, I don't think she speaks any French in the movie. That's the thing too. She speaks no French. So she comes in and like is trying to acclimate. And it's the way that uh, the director, uh, Olivier, Olivier Assayas, I believe I'm saying I'm very bad at French, so this should be, be fun for me. So he, that director, the way that he kind of shoots everything, with like a lot of handheld cameras and things are always moving um, right from the beginning of the movie. And it like kind of sucks you in because it's so it's just like, boom, boom, boom. We're, we're moving, we're making a movie. It's very chaotic. Um, and you're throwing in like Maggie Chung is where, you know, it, you're like all these French people are running around just <laughs> telling you what to do. And you're like, wait, what's happening? Um so I was sucked in pretty quickly because I was like, well, this is different and weird. And like, it's so weird to get like not weird, but it's so interesting to get Maggie Chung to play herself in a French movie when she's a Hong Kong actress, which is what's happening in this movie and what's happening in the movie in the movie, <laughs> if I'm making yeah. it make sense. So it's a I wrote somewhere that it's like a movie that I even had a hard time classifying what you would call it, like a drama, a comedy, uh you know, that kind of thing. Do you have any, do you have any ideas on that? Would you just, is it unclassifiable or is it? Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty uh, unclassifiable. Like it's, it's very meta. You could say like, you know, that's the only thing I could really stands out. Like, you know, the way it plays with like, you know, reality and, and fiction, you know? So, but as far as like, you know, a specific genre, like comedy or drama, uh, it, it is very funny. Um, and, and it does have like, you know, serious dramatic moments, but I don't know if you could classify it as either or like a comedy or drama. So like, so like when people, you know, uh, ask, I like, maybe, maybe I'll just say like, it's a, it's a meta art house, you know, movie or just, you know, to be specific, it's a French movie, you know, like right. when, <laughs> when, when you watch a French cinema, you know, it, you're bound for surprises. Yeah, that is very true. Um, I was trying to watch this the first time. Uh, at my house one night and my roommate came down and was like letting the dog out and kind of stood there and he always kind of just stares at what I'm watching. And of course he had to comment and make some comment because it was all in French at that point. And he's like, what kind of pretentious shit is this? <laughs> and I was like, Hey man, back off. <laughs> like, um, cause I think people see French cinema and I think that's like tied to pretentious 
films. Um, but I actually thought yes. this movie was was really not that pretentious because I feel like it's trying to comment on pretension in French cinema. Did you yeah. get that? Or am I okay? <laughs> no, no, no. That's 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 exactly the point. Um, it, it, it's definitely a commentary on the the pretension the pretentiousness of french cinema but what, what i love about it during my rewatch is like how relevant it is today you know mm-hmm. um just not just french cinema but cinema in general like where where we are now as far as movie watchers and moviegoers uh there's you know a big commentary like you know there's a specific scene where Maggie does an interview with a French journalist and uh, he's compi- like, you know, he's putting down French cinema like, you know, as pretentious bullshit while uh, praising like more commercial filmmaking. Like he mentions Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Jackie Chan and John Woo. Mm. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is bullshit, you know, <laughs> uh, basically saying like, you know, French cinema is like snobbish, you know, is, is for the intellectual and, you know, movies should be about everybody. And it's like that that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it resonates today because you have a lot of people who complain about that, that movies should be, you know, pure entertainment and for everyone, you know, and that's why like certain movies like that we love, that's more, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like, you know, that, that basically not that, you know, they're not right. like, you know, typical, for example, like another typical Marvel movie, but more for like uh, like indie cinema, I'll say. You know, like you see like independent movies and like, you know, they'll say that sucks and that's bullshit, you know, uh, and, you know, and it really struck me how like relevant that conversation is. You know, it's a movie from 1996, but like it's basically speaking about what's the discourse we're having now as, as far as, you know, cinema and moviegoers we are. And it, it really struck me, which is probably why I, I really wanted to talk about it, because I was just like, yeah, like. You know, this this really sticks out to me a lot more than it did. You know, I loved it when I first saw it, but it really sticks out to me more a lot now than than it than it ever did because it it's is really just almost like a commentary on today than it ever was uh, when it was first released. You know? Yeah, that's very true. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie too, with her and that interviewer. Um, and he seems so fed up with like French cinema, and she even tries to say like uh, something like, "Oh yeah, we get some of the bigger." French films in Hong Kong, like, uh, uh, you know, bigger stars. And then he's like, Oh, you're being polite. It's all bullshit. You know? And, uh, yeah, and yeah, I- yeah. Most definitely. And, and the, <laughs> the way, like, you know, it's like, Oh, like, you know, we, we need the, the, the on the Schwarzenegger. And he's saying that and she was like, you know, well, uh, you, you have to have different movies for different people because if movies were the same, you'd be complaining about that. And she's absolutely fucking correct. Right. And, yes. You know, <laughs> like you, you can't have everything for everybody because, you know, because, uh, Strictly speaking, movies can't be for everybody. You know, like no movie is perfect per se, like to to everybody. I mean, you could think a movie is perfect to you, but it may not be perfect to somebody else. Like I think a movie like uh, you know, I mean, this is stepping out the wheelhouse in in, in contrast with this movie, but uh, I think like a movie like RoboCop is perfect, but perfect to me. But you still have people who have complaints about it. You know, I think Point Break is perfect, but I, I've seen people complain about that. Like I seen other guy tell me that he thought the ending was climactic, and I was like, oh, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, buddy. But you know, I <laughs> I, I I respect your opinion. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm not gonna sit there and tell you you're wrong because you know, obviously that's your opinion; it belongs to you. But uh, she's absolutely correct in that statement. Like you know, not movies can't be for everybody. You know, 
you just have to have an open mind, you know, like when you can, I can enjoy a Marvel movie. I enjoy Marvel movies. I, I just don't think they worship where the King shit like a lot of other people do, but I enjoy them. But, you know, I can also enjoy a movie like this, too. And I can enjoy a movie like, you know, like we say, like Willie's Wonderland, you know, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm just open to all facets of cinema. And some people are just closed off to that, like that journalist. You know, he just only likes a specific kind of movie. And because movies, other movies are not for him, he doesn't enjoy them, which is bullshit. And, <laughs> and, and it is like, you know, it, it's, it's, a stu- it's, it's the stupidest thing ever because it's like, you know, uh, you know, like like let's say you order a sandwich and you put mustard on it, and somebody gets mad because you didn't put mayonnaise on it, and it's <laughs> like, yeah, but the the sandwich was made for me. Like, you know, I wanted right. mustard on it. Like, yeah, but if I wanted some, I can't have none because you did that. Well, the sandwich wasn't made for you; it was made for me. And that, <laughs> that's how I look at movies. You know, what I'm saying not everything can be made for everybody because it just wouldn't work that way. You know. Yeah, no, I I love what you just said. That was the sandwich analogy is good too. Yeah, it's like the the thing. This sounds like we're getting like meta on like now it's like film Twitter now because I feel like this comes up all the time now. If you talk movies on Twitter, there's like pro Marvel people, there's anti Marvel people. It's like you know I like those movies too, but I want all kinds of movies. Like I want I want to go. I, my favorite thing is to go to a movie theater, you know, and see a bunch of different kinds of movies in like one weekend or something. I, I did like a double feature of like a, the Spider-Man homecoming and like midsummer back to back. And I was like, this is crazy that I can see these two movies in a, in the same uh, theater back to back. Cause they're so wildly different. You know what I mean? Like I like variety in my, in my movies, like give me Avengers and then I'll watch Irma Vep and you know, they're <laughs> wildly different things. So yeah. And people get, you know, up in arms about certain things. Like um, this came up recently too on like, Twitter, I feel like that, uh, that the, how us movie people, we do live in like a movie bubble where most of the general public does not care about movies. Like we do. Um, they weren't going around as kids trying to make movies. They didn't read about movies. They just go to movies as like a a distraction on the weekend. And they don't, I, somebody at old, uh, walked in next to me and sat down and the girl, and it was a girl and a guy. And they both were just talking about like, um, I think she tried to ask him what it was about or something like they both had no idea what it was about basically. And it was funny because I'd seen the trailer a few times. So I kind of knew some of the beats and they were surprised at everything. And I was just thinking like, Oh, these aren't movie people. You know what I mean? Cause they don't, they didn't know about all this. They didn't watch the trailer. They just walked into a movie like, and they were late too. That was a funny thing. So they, they had just <laughs> walked into a movie as like a distraction on their afternoon. It wasn't like a big deal to them and they didn't know what was going on. And just those little things remind me like, yes, we live in like a movie bubble. Um, and movies should be for everyone because all kinds of people go to the movie. <laughs> so, um, right. and you're right. I do agree with you though. Robocop point break are perfect movies. We agree on that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. So, um, but yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's a great thing. People need to remember sometimes it's like, even if you don't like some of these bigger blockbusters, uh, they, a lot of people do love them and they mean something to them. And then something like Irma Vep, but my roommates like this is pretentious bullshit. I'm like, you don't know what's going on. This is actually a really good movie. So there's some people who see movies like that are weird or, you know, there's people that won't watch older black and white movies because they just close themselves off to them. Like, and it's just such a weird thing to me to be closed off to any kind of movie. Like I, I've joked in this podcast, I'm, uh, not a big fan of musicals, but as the older I get, I'm trying to like open myself up to that more and more. Um, cause I don't want to be someone who's closed off. Cause I might find some musical that I absolutely love. I don't want to just be like, I never watch musicals, you know, as a blanket statement. Um, mm. 
so yeah no i it's like i love what you yeah now you put it though it's just it yeah movies are for everybody basically <laughs> we show all kinds of movies yeah 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 um most definitely uh that 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 i got that from my mom though because um my uh you know i grew up on all action movies and later horror movies uh you know i used to go a lot of to the movies with my dad and he'd take me to stuff he want to see you know uh i remember <laughs> i wrote a, a review it wasn't a, actually a review of of the movie but it was one the the last fight scene in it but uh best of the best mm-hmm. um and uh i he wanted to go to the movies and he said hey the, you want to pick the movie and i picked the bear you remember that movie the bear uh, from, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> from yeah, from, from 1989. It's about a, a a cub bear that gets lost in the woods, and the the mama bear is trying to find it, something like that. I never actually ended up watching it, but I wanted to watch that because you know it was interesting to me. I was five years old, and, and uh, pop didn't want to see that shit, you know. Uh, so so he ended up picking the movie, and it was best of the best. And uh, what's hilarious is, I mean, what's hilarious is he ended up not liking the movie, <laughs> you know. But, uh, uh, so like we would always go see stuff like, so I would, I kind of got his, you know, the, his same kind of taste in movies. Cause you know, he'd take us to see like Terminator two, me and my sister, um, going to see time cop and, you know, all those kind of like summer blockbusters, which he's really into, excuse me. And, um, my mother, she, she, she did the best thing. Uh, for me that thing possible which has really set me on the path for like the the, the kind of um, film person I am today is that she she bought me three movies when I was old enough to well she considered I was old enough to watch them and she basically said if, if, if you haven't seen these you don't know shit about movies and basically <laughs> they were to like open my mind and you know so, so I, w- I wouldn't be just you know fascinated with one kind of genre or anything like that and they were uh, uh, The Shining the French Connection and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, to open up my horizon. So uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be like stuck on one uh, little section of cinema. And that really opened the floodgates because I was full steam ahead, like, you know, uh, watching other shit. Like I was like 12, 13, trying to get my cousin to watch Nosferatu. You know, and yeah, like and like you said, like you know, like people don't watch black and white movies, and they definitely don't watch fucking silent movies. Oh yeah, no, you know, no. like <laughs> I, 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 like, like my, my Mac, he, he is just now starting to watch black and white movies. Like he just recently watched Seven Samurai, and uh, he loved it. You know, so he's getting into like he you know he's now starting to open up more and watch movies. He still won't watch silent ones though. He said, Nah, bro, you could forget it. I'm not watching that <laughs> shit. You know. So it's just like, eh, eh, you know, baby steps over here, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, like it's just, you know. And so ever since I was young, I had that instilled in me that you know, it's it's important to watch, you know, you know, to accept and be mindful of other kinds of movies. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to close yourself off, because you know you never know uh, the, the 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 kind of experiences you have if you do that. You know what I mean? Because you know, uh, you know, I could have been a kid that grew up not wanting to watch something like Irma Vep, and I would have never have experienced, you know, that 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 feeling I got when I finally did watch it. You know, me being a, a lover of cinema, so it, I, I think that was really important that that my mother did that uh, for me, and I'm 
you know, eternally grateful for that because, you know, who knows what I would fuck I'd be watching now. <laughs> I mean, I still be watching the same kind of shit, you know, I do watch, mm-hmm. but, you know, I wouldn't be able to, you know, I don't think I'd be able to have time for, like, all the other stuff I, w- I watch, you know. Like, I remember, uh, uh, like, about two, like, two years ago, I watched uh, uh, Parasite and, and Tammy and the T-Rex on the same night, and I love the shit out of them both. That's a because, good night. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, because you know the you know I don't I, I didn't close myself off so I could enjoy them, uh, and like you know they both saying different things but I could enjoy them both equally because you know I'm open to that you know, absolutely yeah and I was just thinking when you said like both those movies specifically like the thing about both those movies is that they are wildly different obviously but both not boring and I think my thing with movies now is like just don't be a boring movie like be interesting uh you know just do something a little different or just be a good solid movie and because being boring is like the worst thing you know if i watch like something that's because uh, same the t-rex is like i think and I, it's not a great movie uh i think that's fair to say but it's super entertaining and it's crazy um and i've watched so many other movies that would technically be better made movies but i've probably forgotten them and i've seen and I remember taming the T-Rex still. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said. Just don't be boring, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, sometimes, like, uh, I still think uh, people categorize, uh, like, like, like you have a movie that's, um, I, I like to use it because some people were like, oh, that movie's slow. And I was like. Well, there's a difference between having a slow pace and the deliberate pace, you know, mm-hmm. where like a, a movie that's just, you know, can't find a good, uh, you know, placement of like how to get the, the, the story to move forward, like, you know, urgencies. So it will be slow. But then there's movies that like, you know, or, you know, have like, you know, you call the slow burn that take their time. So it's like, no, it's, it's not a slow burn. It's not a slow pace. It's a deliberate one. You know, so people always get confused and like, you know, they will call that move, those type of movies boring. Like, uh, for instance, uh, uh, example off the top of my head, like Zack Snyder's Justice League. And everybody was complaining how it was four hours and it was it was slow. And I was like, no, well, it's got a story to tell, you know, and it's taking its time. And you have to appreciate that. You know, you don't want people, you know, the filmmaker rushing through it. And, you know, uh, uh, you, you not get like the stuff that you should have gotten if they would have just rushed through everything, you know. So, uh, I mean, that's my belief on it. So, uh, uh, it, it, it depends on what I would consider a movie boring. Like, yeah, if it's like, uh, I can't even think of the last like slow, boring movie I watched. <laughs> um, uh, maybe Tenet. I mean, and I liked it overall, but it was just like, you know, cause there's real no, there's urgency in the, like the, the events, but not in the story. So it's just a series of things happening. And, right. and it's it's taking it's taking his fucking time to get there, and it's just like uh, <laughs> just just get on with a Nolan fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess boring is subjective, but uh, the, the Snyder Cut's a good example. A four hour long movie that when it before it was out, I was like, oh, four hours. I don't know, but I thought it moved really well. It wasn't boring. I mean, I've seen ninety minute movies that felt like they lasted longer than me watching oh, the Snyder Cut. You know. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> like a perfect example I have is uh, um, like Roadhouse Two. Now, oh God. <laughs> Roadhouse 2 is 86 minutes, which is like a full half hour shorter than uh, uh, I believe it's a full half hour shorter than uh, uh, I'm, I'm not doing the math right now. So just just, you know, bear with me. Um, 
uh, Roadhouse is 114 minutes and Roadhouse 2 is 86 minutes. But yet Roadhouse 2 feels much fucking longer and slower, <laughs> even though it's just like shorter by a wide margin, whereas compared to Roadhouse, which is almost full two hours, and it just it feels like it moves like lightning, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what I mean. It's all about... I think what's happening in the movie, how they pace the movie. It's just so funny how it's like you'd see a shorter runtime. Like that's like it lasted for four hours. But <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and I was thinking about this. We were talking about the, like how things feel. They move along. I do. I think Irma Vap. I mean, it's only an hour and 30 some minutes, but it moves really well, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's, it's, it feels like it's over in a jiffy. <laughs> and sometimes I I do struggle a bit with subtitle movies, mostly because I have like no attention span. So sometimes it can be hard for me to watch a subtitle movie and give it my full attention for like the hour and a half, two hours. But I really had no problem with Irma Vep. Like I felt like it, like I say, it grabs you from the beginning and just kind of pulls you along. And it does so many, but there's so many different things happening. You know, you have the whole plot of them trying to make this movie and then you have Maggie Chung trying to like acclimate to this French set. She's very much like a, uh, out, outsider in this world like and and then there's a whole subplot with a costume designer who uh has like a, a crush i guess you could say on maggie chung this woman mm-hmm. has and she's and that whole subplot is going on and she's trying to figure out like will maggie chung go for it will she not and there's this whole level of kind of like i'm, I'm curious your take on this like the reality kind of blurring because there's a scene um i think near the middle so Maggie Chung has like this like uh, kind of Catwoman ass. They even mentioned Batman Returns, the Catwoman suit that they want the the cat the black leather suit Maggie Chung wears in the movie to kind of look like that. So she, there's a scene where Maggie Chung like uh, is in a hotel and kind of sneaks along and steals a necklace from a woman and goes up to this rooftop and and then wakes up the next day and it's like I took too many sleeping pills and I'm like was that a dream? Did that really happen? Like is she losing it? I was that kind of stuff where it's like this kind of weird movie meets reality thing going on yeah i think that's just uh i mean you could take it as either literal or like you know like she dreamt it but it's 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 meant to imply that she's losing herself in the role because as you can see um you know there's there's a really internal struggle within the the the, the crew because uh renee vidal like you said he's he's kind of you know he, he, his glory days are behind him. Uh, he's hoping like this will be his last, you know, hurrah. Like you know, this will get him uh, back in the, the 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 big time. Not not as far as like you know a successful director, but like artistically, you know, because mm-hmm. he feels like his his artistry is slipping from him. And um, she's like the only one that really gets him. You know, when they have that big conversation after he has that fight with his wife where uh she goes to see him in in his his place and he's just because they they earlier they had watched the 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 rushes of the movie with the, the stuff they had shot and um everybody's just even he's just like uh this uh, is one of my the, the funniest moments in the movie to me <laughs> where it's, uh he 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 just gets up and walks away and and then one of the crew members like oh, you could tell us you know what, what you thought we worked hard on it and it's a and he's like fuck you you know <laughs> you, 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 you want to know what i thought it sucks it's shit and then he walks out fuck you and then the guy goes to walk out after he comes back in and fuck you and then walks back out <laughs> and, 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 yeah and, and, and they're like uh, oh he's worse than ever before and all that stuff 
stuff. And she was like, no, I thought it was really good. You know, I, 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 I like what I saw, you know, and he's kind of uh, he's lost confidence in, a, in not just the project, but himself, because he realizes that he never really had a story. He only had the idea, you know, which, which was started with Maggie, you know, Maggie, like you know, in the kind of Catwoman is uh uh outfit and like you know he he did one uh, I love it when he says this is uh, how how can I be interested in an idea you know and if, you know if you really believe in it you know to, uh, you should go for it regardless you know and he just you know he doesn't understand how that could be and like she convinces him and he's like oh yeah let's do it and then he collapses because he just took the the medication and he passes out so mm-hmm. it's like like I I I love that you know I love that, uh, you know, that she's the only one that's like really behind him uh, uh, when when it comes to making this movie because she really loves the part and like she really loves what he's trying to do. Like, you know, she she says earlier that she couldn't really understand it because uh, the tapes that they gave her, like, you know, so she could see his previous work didn't have subtitles, but she liked what she saw, like, you know, the the, the visual artistry, the images. So she was into it from just that. And, you know, if, like, that's what it's going to be, like, you know what I'm saying, she's into it. But, like, you know, they're just like, oh, this is shit, you know, because they everybody has completely given up on him. Which, you know, of course, leads to them trying to replace him. And then, like, they hire that fucking douchebag, you know, who, who's, <laughs> he's, he's so pretentious. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, da-da-da-da, this. And then when he, he watches The Vampire, um, they, they show him watching it in his apartment. He fell asleep on it, which shows he really doesn't give a shit, you know, which is par for the course. So, you know... A, a lot of filmmakers coming into cinema with like they take projects just as a job, you know, they really have no belief in it, mm-hmm. you know. And and I, 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 that's the that's the thing I love about it, you know, like when th- those conversations, especially that one between Maggie and Renee after the fight with his wife, where they were really just talking about like you know, ideas versus story and all that stuff. And you know, sometimes visual imagery in a movie can really could could mean more than an actual story like you know i know that's hard to believe for some people but it it is you know Hmm. um you you could you could take in a lot more from what a director shows you than what he tells you you know it it just depends on the filmmaker right some guys are visual storytellers and some are uh like they have to just let people say things you know what i mean i i feel bad knocking like kevin smith but someone just brought this up and kevin smith is very much like a writer first director second i feel like his movies are always like tell 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 not show um which someone has pointed out that uh dogma would be a much better movie if probably someone else directed it because he just has people sitting around talking about these big ideas about religion because he's a good writer but he's not great at like visually showing things we got someone like Brian De Palma, who's like an amazing, amazing visual storyteller, he moves the camera, the way he stages things um, and give you story in with no words. He can just stage the scene. Um, right, right, right. So, yeah. Like not to cut you off, but uh, <laughs> like like a like a like a good example of that is like Blowout, which is my favorite De Palma movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the scene where Travolta, uh, he's going to look for the, the recording he made of like the assassination that, you know, begins the plot, you know, the story of the movie. And uh, he finds out that it's been erased and all his tapes have erased. And the way De Palma conveys that entire scene, like, you know, portrays that entire scene with the camera just spinning. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like, and, and it's beautiful because it's also symbolic because that means, like, you know, he's really in a moment where everything is spinning out of control. And, you know, that's just the beauty of, a, like, a visual filmmaker, you know, someone who has complete confidence and, you know, and just 
in how to visually tell a story, you know, and that, that's what I was going to say that sometimes images could mean more to, to, to an audience member than just having a character, you know, spout exposition, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I, what I like to call a, a cinematic hand holding, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They it's... do that in Marvel, Marvel movies all the time, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't want to keep digging on Marvel movies, but <laughs> with, with, with that, it's like, you know, it, it's Disney and Disney's has a, you know, reputation of, you know, telling stories for kids, you know what I'm saying? And with these Marvel movies, they like, they tell, they, they, you know, they have, you know, they tell you basically what's happening, but they do it subtly enough so that the audience thinks they figured it out on their own. So it's like, oh, I got it. And like, no, they basically told you, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you, you know, you didn't really figure anything out. They just basically told you. They just yeah. did it. They whispered it into your ear, you know? <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, and we both said we like Marvel movies. They're just, there's there's other movies and, and Marvel movies are not perfect, I don't think, by any means. So, uh, right. no, fair, fair comparison. There's, there's movies that do it worse than that. I mean, there's movies that just, like, stop and just do full exposition dumps and have one character like stand in front of everybody and just say, this is what's going on. So, you know, there, there's ways to do it. I, again, I'm, I think I'm stealing with somebody else, but like one of the best examples of like how to do an exposition, uh, exposition dump is like in the first Terminator, when he's telling, uh, uh, Kyle Reese is telling, um, Sarah Connor, all this in a car chase. He gets yes. all his backstory. So, so you have something exciting going on while he's telling you all this like information. Um, you don't just have him stand there in front of her in a room and just tell her everything. So, um, yeah, no, that's a that's a fair point. And like um, I was going to say about Irma Vett, too, the thing I, I'm glad you brought this up, Maggie Chang, uh, Maggie Chung and the director, they both seem to have faith in each other when no one else really does. Like, yes. clearly, the crew has lost faith in him. And I think a lot of people are questioning why she is there. They're like, why did he bring in this actress from Hong Kong to star in this French movie? Um, so they I think they have each other's backs a little bit and they they believe in each other because they both are the only ones who kind of have each other's backs, really. And uh, it's funny you bring up that that pretentious director that kind of comes near the end of the movie because Renee Vidal kind of has what they say is like a nervous breakdown um, and disappears from the movie. And then they bring in this like guy who I think is, is what the actual director of Olivia, Olivier Assayas is trying to rail against like pretentious old French filmmakers. This guy mm-hmm. comes in is like, I'm retired. I need money. And he doesn't give a shit. And he seems like he wants to replace Maggie Chung immediately. It's the first thing he wants to do. He's like, I want like a normal French actress. I don't want like this, girl from hong kong blah, blah, blah. and uh so he seems to represent like everything that <laughs> that the movie is railing against is this pretentious old french filmmaker oh yeah 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 he's definitely the the you know the punching bag you know yeah. <laughs> essentially like you know this this is the guy like you shouldn't be hitting on on, on a director like renee it, it should be this fucking guy who who really doesn't give a shit you know this is just a check for him and like those are the worst kind of uh, filmmakers you could have making your movie, especially when it's something that, you know, that's as important as, you know, Le Vampire is to French cinema. And like, you know, Rene, you know, he, you know, he, he was bothered by the fact that he only had an idea. But the thing is, at least he had an idea, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not just some guy that's just looking to, to get a paycheck. You know, he had an idea, and, you know, and, you know, he had a way he wanted to visualize it. He just felt it, it it wasn't working out, but Maggie was the one that had uh, complete belief in him, and like you know, he wanted to continue, but like you know, it was just like, nah, this this isn't gonna happen. And you see, like they're they're uh, the two that get removed from the movie in the end. 
Well, yeah. Zoe, get, Zoe yeah. gets removed too, but she gets removed because uh, her and a uh, uh, production manager just cannot stop fucking fighting with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, like um, uh, immediately at the end, you see uh, Renee is gone and Maggie's gone, and then they're coming in to see the. Uh, the 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 screening of the the footage that he was actually able to edit, you know what I mean? And like you see, he come in, he's like, oh, whatever. Like, let's see, let's see what this <laughs> going on, you know? And it's just like, you know, that's the guy you need to be fucking worried about, the guy who doesn't <laughs> give a shit. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I I I didn't say spoilers earlier, but spoilers because I want that ending, uh, specifically the last like maybe three four minutes. I'm not sure how long it is. Uh, yeah, about like uh, two and a half three minutes. Okay, yeah, that black and white footage. What I, I was like, kind of like jaw on the floor. Like, what am I even watching right now when I saw that? Because it's it's very weird experimental feel. There's like scratches and like animation all over it. And I was like, and that's what you're left with. That's the movie ends on that note. And you don't see anyone's reaction to it. You just see the footage and the movie's over. And I honestly, <laughs> where I'm like. I'm like, am I am I missing something or like, what did you make of that leaving on that weird footage? Is that you think like Renee was just doing, like he was experimenting or uh, what that was supposed to to mean? If that makes sense. No, no, I get you, and uh, and I got you. Um, I believe it's it's more of an ambiguous ending. This is my interpretation. Of it. okay. It's an ambiguous <laughs> ending, and that you know. Uh, he thought it was shit. Uh, she thought it was fine. You know, everybody else was just like, uh, and, uh, this is the, the footage that he shot and he edited it together and this is what they have. And like, obviously they're trying to see where they can go from here. if They could use any of it. And I think it's left to interpretation to us of how we feel about the footage, you know, like, you know, us being in the, you know, we're in the audience watching this and how do we feel about the footage? Do we think it's shit or do we think it's, you know, masterful footage? Like, you know, do we see it through everybody else's eyes or do we see it through Maggie's eyes? That's why, you know, there's no resolution. There's no like, oh, what do we think? You know, it just ends on that. And it's just like, well, what do you think about it? Right, and personally, right. I, 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 I would have watched the whole fucking version. <laughs> of it. I, I really would because, yeah. I, I, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm all into shit like that. You know, I love like really surreal or, you know, art house stuff like that. You know, I was... Uh, I'm I'm a David Lynch guy, you know, and the, the, that doesn't get me many friends, you know. what I'm saying, like, I I know I, I'm friends with people who who love David Lynch, but then, uh, you know, David Lynch is one of those people, like, you know, he's very divisive, you know. You you either love him or you don't. You either get him or you don't. So you know, the shit like that, I'm all into. I love the like, you know, the the scratches and the animation techniques and like, you know, the playing with speed and you know the close up and the. Especially the black and white cinema. I love just black and white shit. And it, it looked glorious. So I, I thought it was masterful footage and shit. I, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, anybody else watching it thought it was shit. You know, because like I said, you know, it, it's different strokes for different folks, you know? No, I understand. I, I just was one of those things where it's like the whole when we agreed to talk about it I, and I finished it, I was like, am I smart enough to talk about this movie? Because I felt like it was like I was like, can I approach this? I, and I had I think I've gotten it a better handle on it now. But at first I was like. It was so interesting that I agreed, but then I had a reservations like, oh, my God, can I talk about this? And that last footage, a lot of people had the same reaction I did when I looked on like letterbox, things like that. People were like the ending just kind of leaves you like, uh, like I said, jaw on the floor, like gobsmacked because I I did like it. I was like, this is unlike really anything I've seen before. And I would have I want I wish it was longer. It's yeah, it's only two and a half, three minutes. And I I wish there was more to it. Um, But yeah, just the way to, to end a movie like that is a bold uh swing and i really really appreciated it because like 
I, I think like like me, like if you understand this, like we watch a lot of movies. So when you see a movie that goes outside the box of what you expect from a normal movie, it's very exciting, which is what I thought of Irma Vep. I'm like, this is I've seen a lot of movies. I've not really seen anything that is quite like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the most definitely. Like it, it is. It is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not surprised they, they chose it for the Criterion Collection, you know, because, uh, you know, they, they 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 love this kind of thing and I love this kind of thing. And it, it really just, you know, I mean, it speaks to, to it probably speaks to me on a different level than most other people just because, you know, my just pure love of movies. So I I probably love love it a lot more than others do. Um, but, yeah, it it is definitely it, it is so different, and I, I love movies that are just, you know, they they look at things differently than you know what, like other filmmakers probably would, you know, you know, like imagine this movie in in the in the hands of a different filmmaker, you know, who didn't want to take that big swing. I love when filmmakers take big swings, you know. Oh yeah, that's my favorite it, things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even 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 if the if it's a swing and a miss, you know, at mm-hmm. least. You you took the chance, you know. You didn't uh, fall into just you know just same old same old kind of bullshit, you know. You 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 had an idea and you wanted to do something different and you stuck with it, which is which is probably why I'm a, like such a big fan of Zack Snyder because you know the man sticks to his laurels, you know, even do the face of ridicule, even M Night Shyamalan, you know what I'm saying? I I, 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 say, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know I I may I may not have loved every movie. That he makes, but I respect the shit out of him because you know he he doesn't switch up, he doesn't change. You know he is who he is as as a, a storyteller and a filmmaker, and you know I I just really respect uh, 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 filmmakers like that, you know, as opposed to like you know someone who just you know does, is afraid to step out of the box and do something different, you know, and you never really get to you know challenge yourself as a filmmaker when you do that, so you never really know how good you really are when you know you just you know afraid to come out of the comfort zone because you know you're more concerned with success than you are with just you know like uh i don't even know what the term you would call it uh like uh yeah i got nothing there That's but okay. uh <laughs> i was trying to help you i couldn't do anything either but I guess. <laughs> yeah 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 but uh like yeah like when a filmmaker takes a chance and takes a risk even at the, you know, you know, at the, the you know, it, even when it could lead to him fucking being ridiculed and just, you know, dunked on. Because it seems like a, a lot of people like just dunking on filmmakers they consider bad in their own opinion. Like, uh, oh, this movie was objectively bad. That's bullshit. There's no such thing as an objectively bad movie because film is art and art is subjective. You know, and... It's it's all I like. I even love like you know like I I used to say all the time, I am a fan of only two movies, good movies and bad movies. But even I can't I realize I can't say that because even like what you would consider a bad movie, you know, you could still be entertained by it. You could still enjoy it. Like uh, I'm a huge fan of like Miami Connection and oh, by yeah. all <laughs> yeah like by all intents and purposes, it, you know it's 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 a bad movie you know the 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 script the direction you know what i'm saying a lot of uh uh continuity errors and bloopers and all that stuff mm-hmm. but it entertained the fuck out of me so <laughs> is it, it like and and i love it so much so is could you really consider it bad on that front if it's entertaining you 
you know, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I could, you know, say otherwise, you know. So, you know, that's that's just that's just my, you know, I, I don't expect anybody to agree with me on that, but you know, because I because I'm different, you know, what I'm saying, but that's just how I feel about. That. No, I get you 100. percent I uh, it's I think I've I think I've mentioned one of the podcasts. I've always been a fan of like quote unquote bad movies, probably because I watched a lot of like Mystery Science Theater 3000 as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and but the, the thing about all these bad movies I've watched is like they probably brought me more joy and entertainment and more like memories of quoting them with friends than like a bunch of movies I've given like two and a half stars in Letterbox and forgot about. You know what I mean? Like there's tons right. of movies I've seen that are just kind of like run of the mill. They're fine. But like Miami Connection, yeah, The Room, Troll 2, uh, like bad on technical levels, but yes. so entertaining that I it's to the point now where I don't want to even say they're bad. I just genuinely enjoy them like you know what i mean so i, I no, get you yeah <laughs> no like like for instance i remember uh the weekend that mission impossible fallout came out i also watched for the first time a, a low a really low budget movie called parole violators starring mm-hmm. a, a stuntman called sean donahue and and uh uh it, it's it's you know i guess you could consider it a bad movie because it's low budget and the acting is bad and uh, you know, it, it, the story is just like, what the hell are you even doing here? But um, I, I remember I wrote a review of it because I loved it so much, and I was like, I think I was probably more entertained by this than Mission Impossible Fallout. And I fucking love Mission Impossible Fallout, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's a movie where it's just like you know, like from beginning to end, I, I was just laughing my ass off. I thought this was the great, you know, one of the greatest things in the world because I was so entertained by it. Just because you know, it may, it may not be the way they wanted to entertain us, but you know, they 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 still entertained us. You know, so I I don't think that you could consider them bad for that. You know, because we were entertained either way, regardless of how like they 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 real their real intentions were. You know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100% on that. That's it's it's very true. So um, and everything could mean something to somebody. I could think of things like the worst movie I've ever seen. But then I could hear somebody say like, oh, I watched that with my best friend and we loved it. And then they passed away and that movie means something to me or something. And I feel like a piece of shit because I because <laughs> I shit on a movie that means something to someone, you know, so I it's as I get older, I feel like I'm more uh, sensitive to uh, trying not to dunk on stuff. I don't I get I don't want to. Uh, that's I, I don't want to even pick on like M. Night Shyamalan, but yeah, like you said, he he gets dunked on a lot by people online. And um, but he takes wild swings and stays true to himself most of the time. I feel like the two times that he's done the worst are times that I feel like he was not. They were like studio jobs, like true to himself, like the uh, the like last airbender movie and after Earth. The yes. Smith movie. Those movies were like not really. They were like they're for higher jobs, basically. Yeah. And they're two of his worst movies. I feel like his his heart's not in it, probably. And they're not him. So, yeah, I I'm with you. It's like and then like these these bad movies or like um like old had problems. I just mentioned M.I. Chama. Old had problems, but I was entertained by it more than a lot of things I've seen recently. <laughs> so there's something to be said. It's a weird. I like it's, it's art. It, it hits everybody different. Music, movies, uh, shows, p- books, whatever. It all hits people differently at different times in their lives on, you know, and so it, it's hard to, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, my, I get my point is basically the older I get, the harder it is for me to go and try to like really criticize things because I just think like someone tried to, really hard to make this and people probably, some people probably love it. I don't want to shit on something. <laughs> 
So no, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. And see, that's why cinema is king to me. You know, because you know, uh, regardless of how the movie turns out, it, it's going to mean something to 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 everybody. Like you know, just in different ways. You know, so like yeah, that's why. Um, I don't. Uh, our, our our buddy Mike Scott says that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. be be careful dunking on a movie because you know somewhere it, it means something to somebody else somewhere. You know, so and that's the best way to look at it. You know, I know there's majority of people don't give a shit about that because they just want to <laughs> dunk on shit. You know, they just they just you know it's just like a you know that's what that's why Snyder and Shyamalan get shitted on because you know you, you there's the 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 perception to to to, to movie goers is that they're bad filmmakers because that's the way they perceive them and you know that's that's their prerogative you know that's their opinion you know you can't be mad at that but it's not going to take away my feelings for it you know um it's not going to change the way how i feel about them their films and filmmakers you know like because you know my opinion is mine and belongs to me and you know i if i love this movie or i hated this movie it's you know uh, nothing can change that you know it's 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 how i feel about it and you know, we're, we're, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect quote to end that discussion. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, we've all got opinions. That's why we all have podcasts and Twitter and all kinds of things to put our opinions out there. But um, yeah, I also agree with Mike Scott always saying, don't uh, like retweet or quote the bad take. Just let it die. Like I, I so many times I want to like hit that retweet button and just tell, you know, say like this is a horrible opinion, but I'm like, just don't do it. Just don't bring it. Don't, it's like a, like putting air on a fire. Don't don't give it life to breathe. You know. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very so, I'm very I'm very much with him. You know. They're like just yeah. just let it die. You know what I'm saying? It's just <laughs> let, let let that shit just die a terrible death. You know. <laughs> People can't help themselves. I mean, I, I, well, one I really was about to say something about what half I can't remember how long ago it was a few weeks ago. Somebody out of nowhere was like trying to say that the original alien is not a horror movie because it's set in space. Oh yeah. I remember that fucking shit. I was like dumbfounded. I was like, what? And I can't remember. They tried to elaborate. I mean, everybody that day was just like dunking on that (laughs) and like rightfully so. But I just was like, I didn't add to the dog pile, but I I mean, stuff like that. It's hard to just bite your tongue and be like, I don't, I won't say anything, but, um, but yeah, I just try to just leave it all because the, the thing that happens is everyone talks about it and then I go looking for it and people go looking for it, you know, and then they find it because you brought attention to the person, which is probably what they wanted. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, it's it's crazy. I don't know. But uh, um, I'm trying to think uh, now anything else on Irma Vep that you could think of that you really want to talk about specifically, because I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, we talked about a bunch of stuff I wanted to bring up um, like the ending. I think Maggie Chung is great. And I know that sounds weird, like, because everyone's like, she's playing herself. But it's like, it's a, it's a definitely, not, I'm sure it's not like a 100% version of herself. And she has to do this weird thing where she's a, um, she's very like, you know, like I said, outsider in this uh, different country, doesn't know the language. Um, but yeah, I feel like she's really, really good in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, that was one of the things uh, uh, I was the most enamored with is just, uh, Maggie Chung, she's just an extraordinary actress, and just you know, just absolutely and just absolutely adorable as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Especially <laughs> in the movie, like you know, especially in a lot of the sequences too, like when um, uh, uh, when when the lady approaches her about how Zoe has a crush on her, oh yeah, and how Zoe like wants to have and like you know, 
and she's so embarrassed. But you know, she's trying to maintain like a a little bit of like strength in it. But like she's just like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> and, and and poor Zoe's in, in, over there in the table just dying because she knows exactly what's happening. You know. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 yeah. Like this, this movie lives and breathes on the shoulders of Maggie Chung. You know what I'm saying? That she's an extraordinary actress, and and you know, I, I, I like that when she does movies like this. Of course, also when she does the Wong Kar Wai movies, um, uh, you know, and obviously uh, she's probably most primarily known for being in uh, the the Police Story movies and uh, oh, yeah. the horror yeah. the horror trio. But she's just an extraordinary actress, and she's extraordinary in in this and. Uh, it's a Mike said the best one is like it's a perfect love letter to her, you know, where the director like just basically, you know, like, you know, lets the movie play out just like, you know, deliberately and just showcases her so well. It's like it's, it's, it's straight up like, you know, like a love letter to Maggie Chung, you know, what I'm saying because she is really the centerpiece of the movie. Oh, you know, yeah, you have yeah. you have all these cogs in the in the machine working, but Maggie Chung is the one that makes it all run. You know what I'm saying? And. She's just, she's just absolutely glorious. Um, <laughs> I also love uh, uh, Natalie Richard as Zoe. Like uh, she's like she's also one of my favorite characters in the movie because she's equally adorable and just you know you feel so bad for her. Oh, you know, I was gonna say how it ends up. Yeah, like I feel really bad for her. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that that last scene between them is devastating. Where uh, Maggie decides not to go with her with the club, and mm-hmm. it, it, you know you kind of you kind of get the implication that uh, Matai was right about her. And that, you know, she is a drug addict and all that stuff because she pops a pill right before she gets into the club. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe Maggie was right not to go in with her. But you still feel devastated for Natalie because, you know, she really has, you know, I, I, there's not enough to say that she loves Maggie, but she definitely has a thing for Maggie. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> she, she, she really likes Maggie. So you're kind of devastated for her when uh, Maggie's like, nah, I'm not going to I'm not going to go with you. And you just that <laughs> like you could see like, you know, like. You can literally watch her heart break into a million pieces when Maggie decides not to go in with her, and it's just like you know, oh, you feel so bad, you know. But uh, yeah, t- um, uh, other than that, uh, I think um, I think we touched on everything that uh, I, I, I possibly wanted to say re- regarding uh, Irma Vep. Okay, yeah, and, and I, I want that scene with uh, Natalie Richard and Maggie Chung near the end. Like that's a universal situation anybody can relate to, where it's like you have a crush on someone. And you're trying to you kind of are trying to see if it's going to go anywhere and they kind of reject you. And it's just that's a brutal feeling for anybody. So it's like one of those scenes like anybody could see it and be you just feel bad for because I think pretty much all of us have been there where you try to put yourself out there and get your for your crush, basically. And then they just kind of shut you down. You're like, OK, well, I guess I'm alone. now. <laughs> so that, oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. always is a real kick in the nuts. And then uh, <laughs> like um I will say the I read that the the director of Irma Vep, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right this whole time, Olivier Asayas, uh, he is a big Maggie Chung fan um, and had apparently written a bunch of stuff about Hong Kong cinema in the 80s, which I was reading was like some of the earliest writing about Hong Kong movies outside of Hong Kong. Um, mm-hmm. So he's like a, he was like a Maggie Chung super fan. And um, it's another kind of meta level of like <laughs> he wanted to work with her and he does shoot the movie like yeah he's like in love with her he's a huge fan um of course he is he ended up marrying her (laughs) i didn't even know that (laughs) oh you didn't know that no yeah they got yeah after after they did the movie they got married they were married for a few years and they got divorced in uh 2002 three and i tried to do all this research and i missed that really important information (laughs) yeah yeah. so yeah he was he was definitely a a maggie super fan (laughs) okay well that yeah that 
<laughs> that proves it. Um, <laughs> she didn't reject him. Like what happened to poor Zoe? So that worked out good for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot with uh, directors and movie stars. It just must be something about working closely together for that long where you just end up like falling for somebody. I feel like usually it fades out too. So they've been divorced for a few years. So it kind of like seems like it burns hot on like the set and then you try it. It's like, eh, but I, I completely missed that. That's crazy. I did not know that. That really adds another level of the whole movie for me now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, glad you knew that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, Irma Vep is also I'll to kind of wrap up that is a super interesting movie. If you are somebody who's thinking you you like I've seen every kind of movie, like Irma Vep is definitely outside the box, and I believe it is still on HBO Max, and I yes. think it's on the Criterion Channel, and there is a fairly new Criterion Blu-ray, um, and it's definitely worth seeing because it's very different. I love that it feels. It's super meta. It feels very authentic. That scene you mentioned where like Maggie Chung uh, and Zoe are in this like kind of a dinner party. It really just feels like everybody is just kind of like no one's acting. You know what I mean? It just kind of feels very like intimate and natural. Yeah. And that's kind of another thing about the whole movie in general is that it feels so there are like strange parts. Like the thing with Maggie Chung stealing the necklace kind of feels like the most cinematic of anything. But most of it feels very like. Yeah. You're just behind the scenes on a real film, so it's super. Yeah, like yeah. like like almost very documentarian. Like, yeah. like they, I mean, that's that's part of the course because they shot it really fast. They they shot it like, I think in like a couple of weeks, like wow, maybe okay. tw- yeah. maybe even twenty twenty days, if I'm remembering correctly. How f- so? It, it was it was you know it, it's it's you know not uh, I don't know why it feels like very like like a very much like a documentary because mm-hmm. you know it was the easiest way to shoot it because they had to shoot it so fast yeah yeah it definitely has that that feel so um yeah i mean i'll ask you i'll save this one then and we'll talk about some other movies about filmmaking but uh thank you for bringing this movie because i don't think i've said this on the podcast but when i started a movie podcast my idea and i have been super uh, successful at this was to try to talk about movies that have not been talked about to death on other podcasts um and irma vep is definitely one of those movies i feel like has not been talked about that much so i'm really glad we're talking about a movie that's kind of um you know definitely different and not been talked to death like back to the future or goodfellas i love those movies i understand we have plenty of podcasts in those but i i tried to google podcast number of app i didn't think I, I think i found like maybe one or two maybe like yeah. so it's a criterion movie now i'm sure people will catch up to it but um this was very cool to talk about a movie that was um very different i feel like so um so thank you for that. And I do want to ask you this before we wrap up, though. Um, what are some of your other favorite movies that are about making movies? Well, of course, um, I mentioned uh, Edward earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, before I saw this, Edward was my favorite movie about filmmaking. Um, and Irma Vep is now uh, sits at the top. But uh, Edward is still um, very holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, I love that movie. As a matter of fact, we... Uh, talked about it on the episode of uh, The House of Screams, and um, you know it's 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 a really beloved movie by like everybody over there, and uh, you know features uh, Tim Burton at his very best, uh, Johnny Depp I think at his very best, um, of course uh, Martin Lando won the Oscar for playing Bella Lugosi. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just I just love I mean it's it's more uh, as obviously more about filmmaking than the life story of uh, Ed Wood, but uh, yeah, I, I just think it was, you know, the way it portrays filmmaking, especially low-budget filmmaking, was just glorious to me, and just seemed like the, just the most wonderful thing, and it's just like, I, I have to do that, you know, 
I, I, I have to do that. I, like, I have mm-hmm. to be out there making movies. And, you know, the, the I got a camera and with a tripod, and, and I went out there and made, like, a bunch of shorts with uh, Max. So uh, I definitely have to thank Ed Wood for that because uh, um, I wouldn't have been able to accomplish that if it wasn't for Ed Wood. So, yeah, the, uh, there's that. Uh, um, also, uh, this is going to seem like a weird one, but uh, uh, Zach and Mary make a porno. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it? no, I... Uh... I've seen that once or twice. I kind of like that movie. I think <laughs> so. I I love Zach. That, that's okay. that's probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Like uh, outside oh, okay. of <laughs> outside of uh, Clerks and Clerks Two, like um, I, I I I love it because you know uh, it's this wonderful little uh, story about two friends who you know realize that they love each other, but also it's just you know it's it's a way like way Kevin Smith portrays like I mean it's a porn, but the way he like you know can you know portrays you know just no budget filmmaking because it's literally just a bunch of people getting together to shoot after hours you know this 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 porn in, in a coffee shop and it's just like you know that's low budget filmmaking you, you utilize what you have you know because you know you don't have sets you know and you don't have a uh, green screen and all that mm-hmm. shit that comes with uh. <laughs> You know, big budget filmmaking. So you know, you utilize what you have. You know, what I'm saying you just have a, a loyal set of friends that you know willing to help out, and you go out there and just, you know, let's make a movie kind of thing. So yeah, this, uh, Zach and uh, Mary make a porno is uh, w- one of my favorite movies about filmmaking. That and Ed Wood, th- those are my two favorites. Okay, um, and we did an episode on Ed Wood too earlier this year. Me and my friend Ken. Um, cause we love Ed Wood too. And I, it's funny cause I hadn't seen Ed Wood in like 15 years or tw- a long, long time. Like, um, and watch it. My friend Ken loves it. And we, I, like, I love this movie. This is like, uh, so like a joyful, like love letter to like movies and making movies. Um, so yeah, Ed Wood's great. That was on my list too. Um, I had Bowfinger, which I saw for the first time last year. Oh really? yes, I I love Bowfinger. <laughs> so much that's fun. another good one. Yeah. That's another good <laughs> so one. So funny. About- um, and uh, Mulholland Drive, uh, the Lynch movie, which is oh. kind of about filmmaking. It's, I mean, it's not all yeah. about filmmaking, but it's in there. Uh, <laughs> um, so that one, uh, Tropic Thunder, it's ridiculous. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making Tropic, movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Disaster Artist, uh, which was the movie about making The Room. And I love The Room so much. I know James Franco is... Uh, uh, problematic, uh, to say the least these days, but, um, the movie, I thought Disaster Artist was really good, um, when it came out, um, I haven't rewatched it, but I do remember being like, oh, this is a good movie of making a movie. Um, Dolomite is my name from a couple years ago. Yes. That's really that, fun. I, that, 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 that one made me cry at the end. I, I cried at the end of Dolomite is my name. It was, it was such a it's good movie. It's yeah. It's so good. I, I do love the ones about like scrappy, like no budget crews getting together when they have like no like <laughs> they have nothing and they, but they just want to make a movie like they don't care they have no money and they have no equipment they're just like we're gonna make a movie um that's the is, most beautiful thing that's the it's, most beautiful it's, thing it's, it's wonderful getting... people coming together to make a movie it's great it's like... yeah 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 it's the most beautiful thing like you know I've, i had that up all the time me mac and a bunch of our friends getting together you know and uh getting uh cap guns and shit and running around the streets uh <laughs> Fucking uh, trying to be like the next John Woo and uh, trying to turn <laughs> Mac into Chow Fat, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world where, you know, you can come together with your buddies and, you know, just try try to make a movie, you know? It's, it's great. 
I tried as a kid. Nobody was interested in my neighborhood. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I think I tried like one. And I was trying to do like an action thing. I gave everybody toy guns. It was like trying to do something. I can't remember what it was because I, I haven't seen the footage in so long. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's just a fun thing to run around and like try to move, make a movie with your friends. And plus the good thing, the, the inspiring thing about like Dolomite's My Name and um, like Bowfinger is like people believing in the vision, even if it's like kind of crazy. You know what I mean? You get like people yeah. who are just gung-ho to make a movie. Um, and that's my maybe my new favorite. This is tough because I love a lot of these. But One Cut of the Dead um have you seen that one i have not oh my god it, if you love movies making movies one kind of dead is like it's wonderful like it is so joyous the way it like ends up about like talking about coming together to make a movie it is like by the end i want to like stand up and applaud and i was in my own house like i just was like this is amazing i love one kind of dead it's it just it's fantastic um i think it's still on shutter i don't know but um it's so good. So yeah, there's a lot of fun movies for making movies. It's um Oh oh wait, hold yeah. on. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just thought of I just thought of one. Okay. Uh uh another one that I love about making movies is called Why Don't You Play in Hell? Have you seen that one? I've heard about this probably from like Mike Scott, I think. I someone brought this up not too long ago and it sounded really interesting, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about a movie about uh like uh 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 a group of amateur filmmakers who've been making movies since they were like teenagers. Um, they become involved with a, 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 a feud between like Yakuza clans and they decide <laughs> that they're going to take advantage of this and make a movie out of it. And oh, it's wow. one of the, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. Um, I have a buddy um, named uh, Lee Golden over at Film Combat Syndicate. Uh, he put me onto this movie because uh, I had conducted a list about the, um, uh, action movies that were underseen, uh, 50 action movies that were underseen. I call it the uh, the 50 uh, greatest uh, action uh, action gems of the decade. And that was, and he recommended that one. And um, of course, you know, me being the coordinator of that list, I had to uh, I had to watch it. You know, what I'm saying like you know to make sure like it was it was able to go on there. And it's 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 glorious. It's such a glorious movie. Like I loved it. You know, there's you know. Just basically like a filmmaker who's trying to get a film made at all costs because mm -hmm. this has been his dream since he was a kid. And, you know, they kind of, like, you know, the friends are kind of giving up on him because it's like, dude, you've been saying this for years. And then, like, he gets this opportunity and it's batshit insane, the opportunity that he gets and that he decides to capitalize on it. But, like, you know, they're all with him like, yeah, let's. Let's do it let's make this movie you know and, and it's just <laughs> them evolving themselves in this just like deadly you know uh uh um confrontation between <laughs> two uh, like two uh gangs you know what I'm saying but it's Damn. it's incredibly yeah. <laughs> it's incredible it's really fantastic it's really funny i highly recommend that one why don't you play in hell okay i, I just checked my ndb it's still on my, it's on my watch list already so i'm gonna try to bump it up and watch it as soon as i can uh so yes i I will check that out. I recommend, I think you really would like One Cut of the Dead. If you haven't seen that, I think you'd really enjoy that movie. Um, super fun and just like one of the greatest, like, you know, like love letters to making a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so good. So, um, man, but yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for, for, for allowing me to come here and spew bullshit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. like, 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 I don't, I like, like I said, like, I, I, I always think, uh, like, uh, people like you and like Lindsay and, uh, 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 Daniel who give me the opportunities to talk because I never get these opportunities because, you know, I've, I've kind of shot myself in the foot by like, you know, coming out 
writing and talking about action and horror, so I only get asked to talk about that stuff. Um, so like, wh- like I, I really appreciate when I'm allowed to come on this sh- like this show and like Lindsay's show and Daniel's show. Uh, I got another buddy, Michael Cook, over at uh, uh, his podcast, Hit Rewind. And um, he was really the first one that allowed me to do that. And like, you know, uh, like talk about movies that I normally would not get the opportunity to, you know, to, to talk about, you know, uh, uh, me and Lindsay actually uh, recorded uh, an episode of her show before this, where we talked about uh, American Anthem and American Rickshaw, both movies starring Olympic gold medalists for gymnastics, Mitch Gaylord. And, you know, <laughs> wow. like, I, I, I would never get the opportunity to talk about those movies either way, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so I, I truly appreciate, you know, you guys uh, letting me, allowing me to come on and just talk about, like, movies that I love that, you know, normally people wouldn't be like, uh, you like that movie? Like, yeah. Because <laughs> I only talk about fucking action movies and horror movies I, and shit, so nobody yeah. gives a shit about what else I got to say about otherwise. <laughs> so, it's when... Tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when so like uh, I, I truly appreciate these opportunities, man. I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Oh man, you're very welcome. Yeah, this is kind of what the show has become. Like I said earlier, it's like everybody who has like a very specific podcast or like a specific thing they're known for, like come here and talk about the opposite. Although I think uh, Mike Scott has only talked about action movies with me, but we, <laughs> I think I pitched him next time to do something different um but like daniel comes in and talks about newer movies he talks about older movies in his show and like yeah you want to come here and talk about like weird stuff you want to talk about david lynch sometime i'd love to talk about david lynch with you um you know something like that so yeah anytime you want to talk about some other outside the box stuff just let me know <laughs> so, oh i got you uh, uh, you'll definitely be hearing from me okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that's fantastic um uh, well yeah i guess um just wrap it up and i'll let you um plug all the stuff you want to plug and people can find you and listen to you and all that stuff oh of course um this is my favorite thing in the world to do is plugs <laughs> this is this is a, if you ever listen to the house of cream this is a running joke because i hate doing plugs but oh, um <laughs> no no it's all, it's all fine it's all fine um i'll just plug my link tree you can f- uh, find uh, all my links at the uh, link tree uh uh link tree slash uh the cinema drunkie where i have links uh for uh my show the action drunkies uh as well as that show's twitter account uh facebook account uh, YouTube, uh, a YouTube account, uh, Instagram account, as well as uh, the House That Screams, where uh, I talk horror movies with uh, my dear friend uh, Candy Allison and um, everybody else uh, on that show. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, her husband, uh, my 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 good friends, uh, Dave Gurman, Erica Wright, and Nico Nice, and of course uh, Mac the All Star. I'm a brother from another. His uh, I have the link for his Twitter account for his upcoming show. Uh, All Stars Animes, where he talks about uh, anime movies and TV shows. He's a really big uh, uh, aficionado, that kind of stuff. He almost has encyclopedic knowledge of anime. Uh, the man is a real addict for that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the season finale, uh, the second season finale of uh, The Action Junkies is coming up. Uh, well, this, with this Tuesday, uh, by the time of this recording, but it'll probably already premiere by the time this episode comes out. And um, we decided to do something different on that one. Uh, the 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 tables are reversed, and he's hosting that episode while I'm sitting in the co-host chair while he talks about uh, while we talk about uh, the classic anime film uh, Fist of the North Star. Oh, um, okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to check out for that, and um, uh, yeah, of course, shout out to uh, Mike Scott from Actors Undisputed, uh, my brother from another. He's the one. 
who who gave me the most confidence and inspiration to do uh my 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 show coming up uh Wrath of State which is uh, uh the the full title is Wrath of State the podcast retrospective on Jason Statham Cinema's True Throw Punch King um <laughs> I I love that title Mike That's is the one title. who yeah. <laughs> Mike, is the one, Mike is the one who gave me the Wrath of State part. I'm the one who came up with the subtitle. Because um, <laughs> I just wanted to fill it out. It was originally going to be called just Throw Punch King. But uh, Mike said, why don't you just call it Wrath of State? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, he's been so supportive of, of me doing that. Uh, and I'm forever grateful for him. And, uh, of course, shout out to Lindsay, who I just recorded with. Uh, uh, um, I love Lindsay. She, she's just absolutely incredible. And, of course, Daniel. Uh, we mentioned Daniel over at uh, the Cobwebs podcast. He's great. Um, uh, Ron over at the film strip podcast, uh, you know, just, just, just a great guy. And, you know, just, I love him and just, you know, it's, 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 uh, I'm really appreciative of people that just allow me to do this stuff because, you know, as a kid, I never really got the opportunity because nobody was really, you know, into movies like I was, they like movies, but nobody was really deep into it. Like I was, so I really had nobody to talk to it. So now like, you know, I kind of feel kind con- Tent, you know, being able to, you know, come on here and talk with you guys like you and, and everybody else about movies. And, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I feel real content, you know, in my life at the moment. That's very nice. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. 100. As I was the same as a kid, I had no one to talk about movies with on the the way I want to talk about movies. People would be like, you know, really like surface level stuff. I remember here reading like Roger Ebert, great movie books. And like, uh, nobody want to talk to me about movies like I wanted to. Like, I'm looking for weird stuff. And, um, like my friends like be, you know, almost like I make fun of me, but they're like, oh, there's the film buff over there. Like Matt knows all I'm just like, so it's crazy now thinking of like, if I could tell teenage me, like one day you'll have a platform and talk about movies with people. Uh, it's called a podcast. You'll find out later. Uh, what's a podcast? Like, don't worry about a kid. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I just, it's crazy. I'm with you. Like, it's so cool to have this like platform to talk to people because I think I needed this outlet to talk about movies because I've been wanting to do it for so long. And um, it's good to be able to talk about people because otherwise just it's me like trying to write like letterbox reviews, to try to get it out there, which is not satisfy the same like feeling of like getting to actually talk about it, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, no, that was I, I agree with you. And then like uh, I feel like I should shout out all those people all the time, like Daniel, Lindsay, Mike. Uh, I feel bad. I'm, Chris Hurtado, uh, this is like an Oscar speech now. <laughs> Keith Rich, Carmelita, you're out there. Like I, but um, no, this this community is is really great. Um, great people. Um, and uh, I was I, when you were saying about Mac and his anime uh, podcast, I, I should tell him to contact Chris Hurtado and my friend Ken Walker because I know they both love anime. I don't know if he loves all anime. I know some people um, who like anime or don't, they don't like some some of the more mainstream stuff, I guess, if you, the lack of a better word. But uh, <laughs> my friend Ken, like, is obsessed with Naruto. So if you ever someone about Naruto, <laughs> then... Yeah, I'll, let, I, yeah. I'll let him I'll, I'll let him know. Um, see, the thing is that uh, I feel bad because, uh, you know, Mac is kind of in the same boat with me because, you know, he loves anime. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I have to tell him, like, I, I really don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, I, 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 I mean, I like some of them, but, like, they're, yeah. they're really not my thing. So that's why uh, I was like, you know, at, at the beginning, he was like, you know, hey, you want to, you know, co-host the show with me? And I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you know, saying like they're, they're cool, but they're not for me. So like, you know, yeah, do you think, bro? I, just, <laughs> I, I feel bad because I feel like the, the most anime I've got into was Dragon Ball Z when I was younger. And I feel like I've been told by a few people who are like hardcore anime fans that that's not like real anime. So I kind of just was like, I guess I don't like anime. Then I don't know. <laughs> 
you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too mainstream. Like, I'm sorry. There's a couple other things I kind of got into, but nothing was like Dragon Ball Z was like another level when I was like in middle school, I want to say. That was like super popular and I was super into it. But otherwise, not much of an anime guy myself. I feel bad. But um, but that's all very exciting. All the stuff you talked about. I'm excited. very excited to hear the Wrath of State podcast i can't do the whole title i'm sorry um but yeah i'm very excited for all that stuff you do great uh work on podcasts so all very exciting everyone should be following you and listening if they're not already um so yeah i guess just for my stuff it's, it's the usual people can follow the the podcast on twitter at film feast pod you can follow me on twitter at matt blood 87 um and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at uh just film feast all one word um so rob thank you again my friend this was a lot of fun uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time thanks everybody <laughs>